Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. So Stephanie, yeah, I promise I'll make a quick sermon, right? 15 minutes? Is it 15 minutes I get to have, right? Well, he does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, all right, let's do quick. All right, so, so I'm just going to pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Just for the words that come, may they be um, smooth and they be your words, sweet. And sometimes it may be hard to take, but Father, just that it's your words that come out of my mouth and nobody else's. It's not mine, it's just yours. Thank you for this time. Thank you for each person here. May this bless them and encourage them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, oh gosh, Zarephath. It's like, what is that? That's a place. But what I discovered, that's also a process God is taking me through personally right now. So, um, you know, I was praying through this lesson because Many of you know I'm going through EMDR right now and healing, and it's been tough. But, you know, I'm only just begun because there's a lot more to do. Um, but all I know is I can't imagine not doing it now. Um, so I was praying through this lesson because, you know, this is really about a place that Elijah went, and it really begins in First Kings. And I ran across a, a teaching, but there were just some things that word Zarephath struck me. And I'm thinking, what does this mean? And then I found out a place of refining. But it's not just a place of refining. It's a place of refining by suffering. And I really, and who also suffered? Jesus for us. So I share this story with that heart, this message today. It's not, I'm this person that's rah-rah going through this. And it's a process that we all go through different processes. This is just something that I'm going through personally. But it was interesting because there was a couple different things, um, and it's Zarephath in Hebrew means a place of refining, but also a place of testing, a place of refining by suffering. And um, that actually was the place that, the first place in the Bible that Elisha, well, I take it the second place he went to, so um, it was interesting as I taught on the, was studying the lesson. And um, if you look at, well, I'll get my, this map. And I don't know if y'all can see it, but this is really in Elijah's time. This is really the northern Israel kingdom. Then you have southern Judah. And then the northern northwest corner is Zarephath, where um, this is the Phoenician area where Jezebel is from. And this is where Elijah was sent to. Um, so I say all that to say that there's this big, you can see the division there, you know, the dotted line of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And it really prophetically is a sign of kind of what we're seeing in our country right now. And I, that will be more to talk about towards the end. But I think we're just seeing so much in the church right now, the division, you know, compromise, religious spirit, um, but God, and I think 
you know, Katie, I don't, I don't know if Kate, I don't think Kate, Katie must have left, but it was so nice to see Katie here today, um, remembering when we moved here six years ago and just the things that we have done, even though we maybe are not a big body, but there's a reason why, because there's a refining process he is taking us all through. Um, so just, just be encouraged um, that it's um, God's process, not ours. And sometimes it may not always be what we think, but at the end of the day, it's what he wants for us. So, so we are going to start with, um, in First Kings, I'm going to start with First Kings 16, 29 to 31. And so I'm going to, you know, there's a scripture up here. I'm going to read it and kind of share a little bit. Um, in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omari became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Hmm, 22 years, 22. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Wow, that must be pretty bad. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nabar, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. So those of you who may not know, Baal was the god of fertility. Baal Peor, as we've talked about here in some of our assignments that we've done in the state, the god of the orifice. Just imagine what that is. And I'm not going to get into specifics, but it's the god of fertility. Any example of Israel going after Baal, if you look in the Bible, leads to their loss of direction and ultimately scattering at the hands of the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Now think about that. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. And then he connects with Jezebel. Okay, I'm just saying, you guys, he connected probably with the most evil woman on the face of this earth. As you, we're not going to get on later on what she did to Elijah, but no that there was evil in that spirit, and you can see it's, they, we're, how do I want to say this? Jezebel is a spirit that controls, that takes out, tries to take out leadership in churches, and it's not just women. This is where women always get blamed for things. So thank you, Matt, and I'm so blessed to be able to preach. So it's not just women. There's That kind of spirit can go through men, too. So I just want to put that out there. It's not just about women. Um, so just, just know that any example in history, if you study Israel, going after Baal, which is a god, it's an idolatry. It's not God, but it's what they worship because what that Baal of fertility, it's the harvest. And what they do is they sacrifice. What do they sacrifice? And I'll get to that in a minute. Um, it's not good. It's definitely not of God because anytime they went in this direction, they lost their direction of their focus on God, and ultimately they got taken over by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And if that doesn't scare you, I don't know what. So and so here we and here we have in First Kings sixteen thirty-two to thirty-four. And he set up, when we're talking about Ahab, set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asher pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than all the kings of Israel before him. Wow, that must be. Ahab also 
made in Asher, Poland, did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings before him. He, God was mad. In Ahab's time, Hiel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of his firstborn. Think about that. At the cost of his firstborn. Using the foundation at the cost of his firstborn. He set up gates at the cost of his youngest son, Sigid, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. Okay, so reading this, it leads one to believe that people were placed in the foundation. Um, Ahab set up an altar to Baal in Samaria. Baal, again, was the god, the god of fertility and the harvest. And in ancient history, it was thought to mean that when used as a foundation, this was used as a foundation for sacrificing their children. For children were both pure and innocent, as well the most important thing to a parent, and therefore the sacrifice was more meaningful than anything. And sacrifice was sacrifice by fire was common. That just wrecked me when I when I read that. You know, I've probably read this before, but it just struck me about thinking about how somebody could sacrifice a child, their child into an altar. <laughs> Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab marries Jezebel, which began Israel's alliance with the Phoenicia, and this led to the setting up of an altar to Baal in Samaria. And again, 1 Kings 16.33, Ahab did more to anger the Lord than all the kings before him, Think about that. I mean, think about what God was watching happen, and he's seeing the country dissolve into idolatry. And I'll be honest, you guys are at this. I, I'm thinking about what I see in our country. There's such a pro, pro, prophetic parallel. I mean, I, I, a part of me is like, Lord, I don't know. Should I say this? What should I say? And he's like, just say what I tell you to say. Okay. But it's like there's such a prophetic parallel, the division, the idolatry, you know, we're seeing in our own country, if it's, not, if it's not about your material things, it's about your spouse, your eye candy, your, um, your job, your degrees, your titles. Um, at the end of the day, that guy can take that all away. But the only thing that we can have is our faith and our walk with the Lord. And without that, really nothing is meaningless. Not, things just really don't matter. And I guess as some who's lived 59 years, oh, I told my age up here, 59. Yeah, I know, right? Getting towards the end of my, my time in state government. One more year, you guys. Um, but I, I went through this last move when I moved in last month to East Lansing. It was like all the, th I got rid of a lot of things, you know, things. and But it is, it's just things. It's not about, it's not who I am. That doesn't make my degree, my title, my job at the state doesn't make me, but it's who I am inside. And I see, I see people climbing, trying to make it up that ladder in government, and the compromise, again, going back to that whole compromise, that religious spirit. And it's and from what I'm seeing, and I've just talked to the Lord about this, there's such parallels in all the seven mountains like you see that compromise in government. You see that spirit that wants to control in government because I live it every day, you know, at work. 
I have to deal with it every day. And my heart is, I don't want to be that. I want to be against that. So I know that's one of the reasons why I'm in my job, to speak into that, the opposite of what they're trying to push on people. But again, you have a king that was that angered the Lord more than any king. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what kind of ruler was he? Think about that. What kind of ruler was that to do that to his people? Um, so here comes Elijah on the scene now. Elijah. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishibi and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dune nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So here's Elijah giving Ahab the word. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine doing that. Here the most evil person was, the most evil king. And here Elijah, you know, is on the scene giving him a word about no rain for a few years. And, you know, the Lord was angry. So he sent that drought. And my understanding and interpretation as I read the scripture was that was in constant, you know, that word for the drought was was the state of Israel. They were drought, they were they were dry, their bones were dry. They had all this idolatry and the Lord had had enough. Um, but he didn't destroy them. Think about that. Going back to what I talked about earlier, he will send somebody else to take them over to show like the Babylonians he did and the Assyrians when they lost their way. So think about, so this is where Elijah was at. So this is the Tishbe, and then way up there is Zarephath, and he's getting ready to make that path. Um, but I thought this was an this was an interesting trail that you know God was was going to take him on here shortly. Um, and like I said, we're all on a journey. And think about this: What if Elijah wouldn't have said that, gave that word to the to the Ahab the king? What would have happened? You know, we don't know. Um, who knows what would happen? But he's been hearing from the Lord. He's been hearing from the Lord. What would happen? You know, what would happen? And Matt, you were talking about communion. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to, the key points was about communication. It's important that we are in a position for, for our own, for, I think I have a typo here. It's important that we are, in a, we are in position to be able to sense, to hear from the Lord as he directs us. I think I missed a word. I was typing this up this morning. Um, we'd be able, we have to hear. We have to commune with him. Open communication for him is vital to know when to arise, to go, and to stay. To truly hear from the Lord, we have to have ourselves built up in his word, communing with him, our hearts cleared to receive what he tells us we are to do, and to obey to that. And what would have happened if Elijah had not heard from him? You know, what was good, you know, what would happen? We, you know, we, we don't know. So fast forward. Um, so in 1 Kings 17, 2, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Okay, this is a theme here with Elijah. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. That means he was in a position to hear. He was communing with him. And so know that that's key to be able to hear from him. You can put your worship music on and do your reading every day, but if you're not communing with him, it's a waste of time. So for example, the state of I, I'm not going to men, mention any names, but the federal government has this new data system that they've, we have to learn how to use in the grant I manage. Well, I got to test it, and, and it wasn't ready. Oh, surprise, in April, it wasn't ready. So we rolled it out in July. Surprise, it wasn't ready. And what is it, October? It's still not ready. So 
And they're like, we're going to have all this training. We're going to do this. And then I said to the person who's my project officer, we can have all the training in the world, but if a system doesn't work, all the training won't matter because we still can't use it. All the work. And I'm just thinking, please, Lord, help me. 345 days, Lord. 345 days. So I'm just, those are examples of how, um, you know, that's just my everyday job. And some of you have your own examples and and the things in your life with your work or with your situation. It's like you can have all the the best great equipment in the world, but if it doesn't work right, it doesn't matter. Like if you have a car that needs a front-end alignment, you want to go straight forward, but it's going to go this way. It's going to veer to the right. Or if you're like Stephanie and like to use your phone, that'll go on the way that your phone's going that way. <laughs> I love you, Stephanie. And I got my, that's why I got my Bluetooth now, so I can do my hands free and I don't have the phone thing. Oh, I, oh anyway, off track. Um, but going back to Elijah, got the word of the Lord, came to Elijah. Think about that again, then the word of the Lord. So it's interesting, because then, so he must have got it before when they say then the word of the Lord came. So then the Lord tells Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide, eastward and hide in the Kareth Raven, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had said, had told him. He went to Kareth Raven, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens bought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Well, I don't know about you all, but I don't think I'd want to take food from a bird. I don't know. I thought about that this morning, and I'm thinking, all right, and that brook, okay, who's to say somebody hasn't used it for their cleaning facilities? I'm thinking all this stuff. I'm thinking, and he didn't complain. He'd do everything without grumbling and complaining, and I thought, oh, my gosh. Lord, if I can take, okay, I'm a raven because they're black and yucky. And I'm just, so I have a story about these birds and they were crows is what they were. They weren't ravens. I mean, it's not the color. They just were just, I don't like, some of them are just creepy. But I'm thinking if I was laying there and drinking out of the brook and then a bird comes up and give me food, I'm just, do I take that? And I remember a word, I think Chuck Pierce shared this about the French fry on the hood of his car. And he was like, that was a word. I'm thinking, oh, I laughed because I laughed. I thought that would have been me getting that French. I like French fries. I personally do. But I'm thinking, he, he's like, if that's a word from the Lord. But I'm thinking, but think about Elijah. I mean, what would you have done? He was just like, okay, arise. And he went. And he stayed there. He stayed in that cave or the, the ravine at um, Kareth Ravine. And, and, and I'm going to go back to that. And you see is, so look at how far he went. Um, there's that little, the, well, I think he was, must have been at Tish, the Tishba, the Kareth Brook, where, so he got his water there, and he got fed by the birds, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I, um, I don't know, I just, I thought it was funny, I thought, Lord, what would I do? I mean, I guess if you told me to do it, I would, but please don't ask me to lay on my side and and eat dung and just lay on one side, cook it like he did Isaiah, I think. Is that who it was on the prophet? The Ezekiel, thank you. And us prophets can be weird, I know, but I just I just laughed. And I consider myself prophetic. I guess I don't like using the term prophet, but I know that if I can find, and I look at this and I'm thinking, how would I have dealt with that? What would I have done? 
But again, he was communing with the Lord. Communing is so important because what if um, he didn't go? What would have happened? Who knows? God maybe saved him from, from Jezebel maybe. Who knows? I mean, I just think that sometimes God removes us from a situation that we're not ready to deal with yet to give us time to rest. And I guess I'm just using myself, for example, where there's some things that I've stepped back from a little bit. And I know Stephanie's picked up on some things, and so is Donna, and some of the other people have for the prophetic, just so I can spend those Tuesday nights in my appointments and, and just focus on that and work, which has been, as you know, been a crazy time in state government. Um, but I just think about you know, that time in the cave, I can't, and it's the ravine, the cave's way, that's another time with Elijah. But sitting by that brook, I'm thinking, I wonder what he thought about there. He's laying there, and the birds are bringing him food in the morning and the evening. So what did he do during the day? Okay, I'm thinking, I wonder what Chris Valentin would say about that, because I know he always has these funny stories, because Chris Valentin has all these funny stories, and I'm definitely not Chris Valentin, but, and he's uh, the senior prophetic leader at Bethel Church out in California, but... But just the fact about, um, you know, he, um, Elijah, hears from the Lord. He communes. He obeyed the Lord and traveled east and did as the Lord said, hiding in the Kareth Ravine. Again, God provides when we communicate with him. And I had a verse, um, Luke's, uh, Luke 16, 10 through 12, and I didn't um, put the scripture up, but I wanted just to share it. Um, who, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? To hear from the Lord, we have to have our senses trained. So when he gives you a little to manage well, you do that, he will give you more. And it may not even be money. I just want to encourage you, everything, it's not always about money. It's about things that you've been a good steward with. So just be encouraged and um, that he has that. So Elijah was a good steward. He sent him on his way, and he um, went, and he was obedient to what God wanted him to do. But what happens? The brook dries up. So sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, what was he thinking? Of? So what is he going to do? Then the word of the Lord came to him. Again, then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. So I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Again, read this. The word of the Lord came to him, so he's listening. He's telling Elijah, go at once to Zarephath. That means don't dawdle, go. So sometimes we don't listen. I want to tell you, if the Lord gives you a word that says go at once, I want to encourage you to go. Because sometimes when you don't, there might be some consequences, I'll just say. But when he says to go at once, that means don't wait a week, don't wait a month, go. And sometimes it may be difficult. And sometimes it may mean, it may mean finding new relationships with people that are healthy for you, not toxic. It may mean finding a new church family, maybe. And I hope I don't see anybody walk out saying, Laura's telling us to leave. That's not what I'm saying. I just know that we have to follow where the Lord wants us to go. But also, if, if you do feel like you're supposed to go, I would encourage you to get uh, counsel from other people, too, because sometimes our flesh talks to us, and maybe that 
was one of the reasons why I just want to leave. I'm not happy. Well, they're not doing this or they're not doing that. They're not this or that. that. Well, you know, it's easy to sit back and, and, and I'm going to say this as somebody who wasn't in leadership previously in other churches. I would. I would judge how leadership would do things. And I sometimes could be harsh. And Stephanie, you're right on about your words. We have to watch our words. I, because especially in leadership, how stressful it is, how much that um, there's so much tension in our country and in our state right now. Um, just to be encouraged that if he's telling you to go at once, I honestly, this is just, and I would not, I would tell you to get counsel from people. What do you think? I mean, and you can go and not ask. I'm not going to tell him you have to. I don't want that to come across religiously. But it's important to make sure you're kind of looking at all sides of an issue. And there's nothing wrong with asking people. But at the end of the day, you have to make the decision. But I think the second part of this is here he's directing Elijah. He's directed a widow there to supply you with food. I'm like, hmm, a widow? That's interesting. Um, I'm thinking, I wonder how Elijah was going to react to this. Um, you know, Elijah's a male. And I believe the widow is a female. Hmm, interesting. Um, so when we look at, I want to go to 1 Kings 17, 17, 8 through 15. I want to read this quick. Um, so sometime later, I'll start at 7. The brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water and a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour and a jar and a little oil and a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I'm thinking, whoa, how would you, what would you think if that person said it to you? I'm like, Lord, you're sending this person to help me? I mean, I don't know. Okay, and here this is a female, and I, back in the, those days, a male asking a female for help was unheard of in that culture, and I believe she was a Gentile because she was in the Phoenician area, and then here's Elijah. He was from Israel. So very different, very different culture. So God's doing something with this, with Elijah. Um, so, th so think about that. And the widow gathering sticks, she probably was not well financially. She didn't have money for fuel. So she was basically making a meal for her son, her last meal, before they died. And, you know, and here Elijah is encouraging her, please give me this. And she did. She was obedient. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. And this is verse 13. Um, don't be afraid, go home and do as you and, and do as you have said, but first make me a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Listen to this. So this is Elijah heard from the Lord. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Praise God. 
and I believe this also is a word for our building. The provision is going to come. We're going to get everything that we need, and we're going to finish, and we're going to have money left over to sow. We're going to be able to sow for the people that helped with the building and just to sow into the community. So, Stephanie, I just share that. that this Okay, this is a word I heard, and Lord, I feel like it's from the Lord, so I'm just I'm releasing it because... I th when I read this section, I was thinking of our building and all we've sown, all the hard work, just the little things that we've done. And remember, going back to scripture, when we're, we can manage the little things well, he gives us more. And that's what we've been doing the last six years here. Um, so just be encouraged. Thank you for doing everybody for all your help. So Elijah went to Zarephath when the, book dried up, the brook dried up and the Lord brings the widow to assist him. Again, he helped he helped for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the lord spoken by elijah so think about that what if what if you want to release that word for the woman what if what if and we don't know her name she was just the widow from zarephath we didn't know what her name is um, the provision my second point's about provision the lord supplies all our needs for as the lord had spoken to elijah the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. God provides all of our needs. When we stay focused on ourselves, we can't see clearly. When we look towards others' needs, we can see past the natural and see the spiritual provision that God can bring. Amen. All right. And my God will meet all your and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. All right. I'm going to kind of skip. kind of skip some of this here guys that's okay um, and my third point was about Christ's likeness Elijah demonstrating his love for others you know Christ's likeness is demonstrating Christ's love to others regardless of our circumstances Elijah helping the widow and we are called to help others Christ's likeness is so important as we never know where God takes us and who he places in our path to put into context during, and I mentioned this earlier, Elijah's time, um, he was a male and this widow was a female. And you just, for a man to ask a woman for help, one that's destitute the way she was, just was unheard of. Um, but see, God provided for both. Regardless of our circumstances, we are called to care for those who are in need, demonstrating Christ's love. Again, Christ's likeness. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, all, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And as you mentioned earlier, Stephanie, perfect love casts out fear. You know, it's not uh, faith, but it is love, how all of that comes together and how we, we can root out that, that fear. So I want to, you know, in closing, I want to mention, I guess I want to ask you all, are you in a spiritual condition where you're not able to hear God's instructions? And, or, and if you are able to hear, I want to encourage you to dig in deeper to what he's saying to you. What are you facing right now that 
God needs to supply. Are you resting in him for your needs? And where's your focus? Are you focused on the problems rather than the Lord? Are you seeing the agents of supply in your life as totally inadequate with the results you're questioning what God can do? Does your present condition look impossible? Does it look like there's no way God can meet your needs, what he has brought about in your life? Have you considered that before, before God meets your needs or that in meeting your need, he wants to use you to meet the need of someone else? Because that really is what he does. And I'll tell you, you guys, I'm just going to say I do. I Sometimes I find myself focused on myself. I live alone, so I, I get it. And I don't have children. So um, it's just interesting where we have to get our eyes off ourselves and onto the other person that, particularly if you're feeling tension or challenged with that person, walk in love with them and sow into them. And I'm saying is one, I mean, and this is for me, so I'm not speaking to just anybody. I'm speaking to myself too. Um, and think about Elijah sowing into that widow. Um, and I didn't get into this, but later on down in the chapter, um, the son, because the widow had a, had a son, and he, he, his breath left him. And Elijah breathed over him and breathed him to life. He literally cried out to the Lord, and he raised him up to life. And what if he wouldn't have done that? What if he would have been selfish and said, I'm out of here. I got my food. I'm Phil. Bye. And I'm thinking, wow. I mean, he literally heard from the Lord and cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him and raised him from the dead. And I think, truly, we're going to be seeing things like that happening in this new new harvest that we're coming into. Um, so I know um, I asked Stephanie to... I, we, I had an extra slide I wanted to put here and um, wanted to um, pray because when I looked at this map, I thought of our country, um, about the division um, with Judah, that religious spirit, um, basically driving people to be perfection, do, do this and do that, can't do this, you can't do that, and definitely no women preachers. Um, and we're talking about the church. You know, This is the kingdom of God here in Israel and Judah. But this really mirrors the church and with, with Israel, meaning that the compromise, that Israel, you know, with Ahab and Jezebel and the compromise. And that's really, this is a parallel with the church and what's happening right now. And I just feel like this is something to pray into as, I mean, and I'm going to go back to the altars of Baal and that Proposition 3. You guys, I'm telling you, and I stood up here last month, that is a decree they want to put in our Constitution. And again, watching our words, because... If they put that in our Constitution, okay, I'm just going to say, you guys have to, you have to decide which number you're either going to do yes or no, but think about the consequences. If we put something in the Constitution, it stays there, and it doesn't get taken out. Um, if people can say, well, it's not going to do this or not going to do it, they can, they can change it, they can do an amendment, but it's got to get on the ballot again. And so I'm just going to say just... You just need to understand what each preposition is about. Think about the term preposition. I hate that term preposition, too, because it is. It's about compromise. And I'm saying it. I'm stepping back and saying that happens all the time in government. People proposition people different things all the time. I mean, I was telling somebody the other day in my office that there was a lot of things that happened before my time and the place I work at now. There were proposition. People were propositioned 
bribes, and things like that. I'm not mentioning names. It wasn't me. And this wasn't unique. This is what people have affairs. People, they want to get ahead in their job, so they'll find out who's the person that makes the decisions. That's who, and it's that Jezebel spirit all day long. Um, and it happens. And this is just the sphere I work in. So I say all that to say, you know, with the activation, um, Stephanie, I know it's five, to, it's, you know, almost five o'clock, but I just feel like there's some prayer to do. And I, and I know Alan started it off with the, with the election, but that proposition, and this is for Michigan. So this is to our state. So thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what he wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and he has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.